0: You guys want to have a seat for a few minutes, you can do that. The band may or may not just stick around and we'll see how that goes. But uh, obviously tonight is a night that we've kind of set aside to talk about the Holy Spirit. And uh, this has been part of our vision for this year as we've been praying about this and feeling where God is leading us and what he's asking us to do. We have just kind of believed firmly that, that a part of who we need to become it is a people that relies more on the Holy Spirit maybe than we have been before. It's not that we have been neglecting the Holy Spirit or praying to the Holy Spirit or operating in His power. Just, we, we just want more, we want greater depth of the Spirit. We, we wanna be in a spot where even though we have prepared a service, we are fully prepared for the Holy Spirit to interrupt that service and have that be okay. We've been maybe a little too tightly tied to, well, we've got to have these songs and then a sermon that's this long and we've got to end at a decent time because that's when people need to get going or that's how long the service has to be for the South Campus and the theater. It'll just be messy. And, And so maybe we have strayed a little bit too much towards the safety net when it comes to church and we need to inch our way a little bit more towards, all right, well, what is God asking us to do? and if holy spirit wants to interrupt us and speak with with us will we let him will we give over that control and so partly our vision is that as a church we would learn to lean more heavily and rely more so on the holy spirit but it's also for you as individuals that's what we want for you in your lives as well that that the people of Crosspoint would be learning how to, to kind of operate in the power of the Spirit, that we would be leaning more on Him, that we would be seeing more fruit in our lives, that we would be hearing from Him more and there'd just be a more tangible sense of we are Spirit-filled, empowered people of God and there's evidence of it in our lives. And so that's kind of the heart behind the, our vision and the heart behind this service today and what we want to do. And so it's one of those things where every, every week of this series, we have talked about something that's really basic in its concept. It's just been really difficult to live out in a, in a practical way. We, we started off by talking about health. All right, we want this year to be a year of health. We understand health as a concept. Even when we're talking physical health, we understand that we're supposed to eat healthy, we should exercise regularly, we should drink a lot of water, we should take care of it. In theory, we know In practice here we are not so much probably as healthy as we should be so it's one of those concepts that we get it but do we do it right I have a membership at a gym I basically just help keep the lights on it naturally fit for other people who go to the gym I get I get the concept of health but living it out is differently we talked about community the week after that We understand community. We understand what it's like to interact with one another, to have relationships, to have friendships, to pray for people, to care for one another. It's just different when it's out of our comfort zone. It's different when it's for people that we don't necessarily know. It's different for when we, it's for maybe people that we haven't gotten along with, when it's unity, when it's hard. That's community in its practical sense, but it's a challenge. And we could go on. The same thing with rest. We understand rest, that it's important, but we're all tired. We, we understand last week about evangelism. We understand talking to people about Jesus. Is, that's a simple concept. But when it really boils down to, am I doing that regularly? Well, it's a little bit different. And so these have all been simple concepts in theory, but in practice. In reality, what do they look like? And, and I think the Holy Spirit is a very similar concept kind of topic for us and that we understand in theory, especially if you've been in church, if you've grown up in church, you understand, oh, the Holy Spirit is, is the presence of God in my life. He is kind of in, in every single believer. But when it comes to the actual practicality of living a life that is fueled by the Spirit and led by the Spirit and full of the Spirit, it, it's one of those things, well, I think that's a little bit harder to do in practice. That's a little bit more difficult to talk about. But see, we believe that Jesus said it was better for him to go so that he could give us the spirit. We, we believe that biblically the spirit is, is the one who is our helper, the Bible says. So he's helping us. He's leading us into truth, the Bible says. He is the one who helps us discern what, what is good and bad and right and wrong and true and not and the way that we should go. The Bible says that he is our comforter when life is dark and painful and it will be. We've got supernatural comfort from the Holy Spirit with us. We are never apart from supernatural comfort. It's the peace that surpasses understanding. The Bible also talks that the Holy Spirit counsels us It's not that the Holy Spirit is just this person dispensing advice when we need it, but he's someone that's actually leading us and directing us and giving us vision. The Holy Spirit, we already heard the scripture today that says he prays for us. He prays on our behalf, and we don't even have the words and know what to say when we're just broken to the point where it's just groans. The Holy Spirit's there leading us along. And the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us the power to operate in freedom, and in victory, and in the life more abundant that Jesus promised us. It only happens because of the Spirit. In other words, without the Spirit in the life of the believer, it's a pretty bleak picture. Truth? But the problem is that for many believers, they're living their life as if there was not a Spirit. See, we believe it in in theory. there's a lot of christians who aren't living out the reality of what a spirit-filled life looks like you've heard all of those things you've read all of those passages some of this is not new teaching for most of you tonight and yet you you read it you hear it you see the crazy stories in the new testament and and our our kind of conclusion is well that's neat for other people that's neat maybe for other churches that's neat for other parts of the world but we're not necessarily sure that we can experience it for ourselves. We're not necessarily sure that that's the picture of the church that we're going to see here, maybe in Fredericton or at Cross Point or whatever the, the case might be. So we hear things like, you know, I have been crucified with Christ and therefore I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. We memorized that when we were nine. Do we get it still, though? But it's no longer even me who's living, but it's Christ who's living in me. The Spirit of God is in me, and yet here I am, day after day after day, just trying to do everything on my own strength, by my own power, through my own wisdom, my own ability. And, and we miss what it means to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. Too many Christians have become entirely too satisfied with being comfortable without the Spirit. I think there are way too many Christians who are okay with the fact that their life doesn't look anything like the spirit-filled life of a believer in Scripture, but we've just decided that I guess that's what's it going to look like for me. That's going to be it for me. And I don't think that's true. I think that's a lie. I think we can look like a spirit-filled believer. I think we can operate in a way that, that there is freedom and power and victory and hope, that we can see the Holy Spirit do supernatural things in our lives and in our churches and in our city through people like us, ordinary people, but with supernatural ability because of the fact that the Holy Spirit is with us. We believe it in our head but do we experience it in our heart and in our lives? I heard someone say, the theology that matters isn't the theology that you profess, it's the theology that you practice. And I think a lot of us have a theology that we profess, but we're not necessarily always practicing it. And I think in doing so, we've we've been missing out. I believe God wants something greater for his church. I believe God wants something greater for his people at Crosspoint, for his people everywhere, but, but for us specifically this year. I think that God is calling us to something with more depth when it comes to the things of the Spirit. And I think sometimes we wrongly pray for more. I want more of you, God, and, and we sing songs like that. And, and it's, but here's the you don't have the capacity to get any more God because he gave you all of himself when you became a believer. Right? You, you, you didn't just get saved and get 10% of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the full embodiment of God in us. And so when we pray, I want more of you, God. It's not, it's not really, I mean, it's semantics. I'm being annoying. It's one of those things. But, but it, it's not that we want more of you, God. It's just that we want to understand it maybe experience it greater with more depth and more reality i want to actually know what that's like and and to live that kind of life it's it's not that we need more of god we've got them all it's just that we need to learn how to operate within that the god that we've already been given and i know that this is a weird topic for some people people are like oh it's the holy spirit that's gonna get a little weird it might get a little, I don't know, a little out there or a little, and I don't think everyone believes that. I really don't. But I think for some people, it touches on some discomfort when we get into some of this kind of stuff and, and we get alarmed when we talk about weird things like the Holy Spirit. I, I think we should be alarmed that our faith doesn't look weird enough. I think that's what's weird. We've made our faith so safe and private. We've made our, our, our faith so quiet and normal and mundane that it looks normal for a Christian to not be operating in the spirit and we're all okay with it. It looks normal for most Christians to not be operating in the spirit and we just think, okay, well, I guess that's it. And we know a few people who really live their life in the Spirit and we see them do that and we hear the things they say and and, and they use their gifts and we're like, oh, that's crazy someday. They're not supposed to be the weird ones. We're all supposed to be that way. We're all, and weird is the wrong word. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't write a sermon, so it's just coming out of me, all right? But what we just think that they're the abnormal ones, we're the abnormal ones, who aren't living in the power of the Spirit. It should be weird for a Christian to believe it but not live it and experience it. And so the Spirit is for all of us. The the, the Spirit is not for someone who has gotten to a certain point in their journey. That's not biblical. The Spirit is not for someone who is only wise enough to handle it. That's not biblical. The Spirit is not for someone who's a spiritual enough person to be able to. It's not every single believer has been filled with the Spirit of God and has the power to operate in that way, to live that way, to hear him. Listen, the Bible does not promise you one thing that you're not allowed to experience. The, the Bible has not promised you anything that, that we can never experience. So anything you read in Scripture that seems too good to be true, that's, it's not. It's true. So don't ever read something in Scripture and think, that sounds nice, but I probably can't no. God will always back up his word. And so if he has written it, if he has spoken it, if it's in scripture, it can be true for you also, not just for other people. And perhaps if the Bible seems a little bit more wild than your current life, it's not the Bible that's wrong. (laughs) Maybe it's the way that we have been living it. Maybe the way we have done church has domesticated us to the point where we actually doubt the power of God and the Spirit's moving. Maybe we've done that. We are far more capable than how most of us are living to operate in the Spirit. I want to read some of Romans 8 to us tonight. I'm going to read it out of the message. It is not on the screen so you will just have to actually pay attention unless you have the message translation somewhere on a flat screen in front of you. But this is what Romans chapter 8 says in the message. It says, those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. But a new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of tyranny at the hands of sin and death. And just think about that i mean that's pretty good we no longer have to live under a continuous low lying black cloud as if this is all there is this is as good as it gets life is always going to be hard i'm always going to be discouraged there's always going to just be something there to get in. and and it says no a new power is an operation who has just kind of burst forth and cleared the air so that we are no longer at the tyranny of sin and death in other words Something about your new life in Christ should look vastly different than your old life without Christ. Paul goes on to say, the law, which is rules, it's religion, it's regulations, says the law always ended up being used as a band-aid on sin instead of a deep healing from sin. And now what the law code asked for, but we couldn't deliver, is accomplished as we are, instead of redoubling our own efforts, we now simply embrace what the Spirit is already doing in us. Isn't that good? Jesus Christ in salvation is not a band-aid over your sin. It is a deep healing from your sin. A deep healing from your sin. And, and we don't have to redouble our efforts. In other words, what, what Paul is saying there is you don't just have to try harder to get better. You don't just have to work harder at becoming more spiritual. You don't have to give it another shot. Maybe tomorrow I'll give it a try. He says, you just embrace what the Spirit is already doing in you. In other words, you have the Spirit, and He is working. You just need to embrace it and let Him, and let him go. Let Him work. He says, those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Isn't that good? Just our our own moral muscle. I just got to keep trying harder. I got to get better. I got to get rid of this sin on my own. I got to get rid of this discouragement and darkness on my own power. It's not true. It says, obsession with ourself in these matters is a dead end. But attention to God leads us out into the open, spacious, free life. Who doesn't want an open, spacious, free life? with deep healing from sin. It says, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. I think it stands to reason. I think that's true. Think about that for yourself. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead has moved into your life and can do for you what he did for Jesus Christ. That's miraculous, supernatural power. We have to believe it. It says, when God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. It says, the best thing to do is give it a decent burial. Talking about your old life. Give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's Spirit beckons, there are things to do and places to go. I think there are some people in our midst tonight that need to give their old life a decent burial and quit trying so hard to make themselves better. Quit trying so hard to make yourself free and embrace the work that the Spirit is already doing in you. It says, God's spirit beckons. The resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a child like, what's next? I love that. God did not call us to receive a timid, grave-tending life, but one that is adventurously expectant. I want that for my life. What I read in Romans 8, I want to live. I want to experience. I don't want to just know that it's true on paper. I want to know that it's true in my own soul. And so I'm going to be completely honest with you. I haven't always been there. This has been a journey that I have been on where where I have preached things that I have not experienced. I have preached about the Holy Spirit and wished I knew what that was like. I I have preached things about victory and freedom and, and all the while been frustrated that I'm still languishing in my own sin. And I read things like Romans 8 and I think, God, make it true in my life. That has become my prayer this year. God, that you would do a new work in my own soul. I get so caught up in having to be good enough, to try hard enough, to try and convince myself that that I've got this and I'm doing fine. I don't have to do it. And I'm not fine. But the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. And he has given me freedom and deep healing from my sin. And it's no longer even me that lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's what I want for me. It's what I want for all of us. The question is how? I think that's always the question. Well, what do I do? What's, what's the magic phrase I have to utter? What's the pill that I have to take? How do, how do I make that happen in my life? And uh, sometimes I think we, we get confused and think that the things of the Spirit are so mystical and ethereal that it's really hard for us to, to get there. But I, I think if you read the Bible, you'll find out it's quite practical. It's quite common sense. God doesn't want it to be difficult for us to get and understand. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, I love that. It's a great verse. Don't be drunk with wine because that'll ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would you compare those two things? It's a little bizarre, isn't it? But here's the thing. How do you get drunk with wine? You just keep taking it in. But right, that's how it happens. And so how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? I think you keep asking. I I think you keep inviting him in. I, I think you keep saying, God, I want more of you. It was Jesus who said, if any of you are thirsty, come to me and drink. I'm living water. I think we just need to keep taking deep gulps of living water and saying, God, do it in my life. Do it in my soul. Do it in my spirit. He says you got to stand at the door and knock. He told a parable about a persistent neighbor who annoyingly knocked at a guy's door late at night until the point where the guy was like, fine, I'll come open the door. And Jesus was like, do that for me. I want you to knock at my door so persistently, so intently, so eagerly that you're not going to relent until I open the door and let you in. He says, that's how you get the spirit. That's how you do it. You just ask and keep asking and don't relent and keep knocking and keep seeking. James says, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. You get the picture all through the New Testament. The ball is very clearly in our court because God's here and he's willing. It's we're the ones who have stayed at a distance. He says, if you want the things of the spirit, if you want to live in that way, ask, seek, knock, draw near, believe, search for it. Maybe, maybe we haven't asked enough. Maybe we haven't wanted him badly enough. Maybe we've been a little bit worried about what he would do if we really gave him the freedom in our lives to do whatever he wanted to do. Right? And I think sometimes it's just so easy to fall into the, the mundane routine of Christian life, even coming to church. God, I, I think you should come to church ready and when I say come to church ready I don't mean you showered and got dressed and showed up semi on time I mean you should come to church prayed up and expectant you, you should come to church eager to hear from God believing he's got a word ready to sing songs and worship him and praise him you should come to church ready. don't just come to church and think I wonder what they got for me today come ready come believing the Spirit is here and moving and, and He's inviting us to kind of step into what He's got for us. We're the ones who have to make the move. The Holy Spirit will not impose anything on you without your permission. Right? You've got to ask Him and then you've got to let Him. Don't not ask for the Holy Spirit and wonder why He's not more active in your life ask relentlessly, seek, and knock. Jesus said, would a good dad give his kid, you know, who's asking for bread? Would he give him a rock? Would he give him a snake? Like, what kind of dad would do that? And Jesus was like, I I want to give good gifts to my kids. But what are you asking for? What are you relentlessly seeking? When was the last time you were on your face before God begging for a movement of his spirit? Or Have we been all too satisfied to just keep doing it the way we've been doing it? And maybe when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we're just expecting something different. We've seen what the Holy Spirit has done in other people's lives or on TV, and and it's big and loud and crazy and demonstrative, and we're like, I don't think I want that in my life. Sometimes the Spirit moves in a very still, small voice. Sometimes the Spirit moves in just a simple, practical way. It doesn't have to be big and alarming. Don't just look at what everyone else's experience has been and think, well, I guess that's the way that it is. It might not be for you. Who knows what God will do in your life? The Spirit has gifted us in different ways, wired us in different ways. He's called us to do things in different ways. Don't just look at one person's experience of the Spirit and think, well, if I want the Spirit, I guess I'm gonna have to go through that. It's not true. The Spirit is very capable of moving and working in every single person's life in this room. There is freedom. person who has struggled with sin and not been able to shake it, there is freedom. There's victory. People who wrestle with defeat and anxiousness and darkness every day, there really is. There is hope. People who wake up and wonder, is this as good as it gets? There is. There is peace for people that wake up with worry and fear at the the forefront of their mind. There really is. I heard someone say this week, I still think of it, it says, if you don't truly believe that you will be free from your sin until you die, then Jesus isn't your savior, death is. Death is not your savior, Jesus Christ is. And he died and then resurrected (laughs) so that we could defeat sin and darkness. Don't assume that you're always gonna be stuck with something because that is to very much diminish the incredible supernatural work of Jesus Christ in your life. Believe him for more. Ask him for more. One word of caution, though, the Bible gives us in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says just don't stifle the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's possible for the Spirit to want to be working in your life or in a service or in, in any capacity, but we've got the ability to, to just stifle it and say, no, no, I'm not interested in that. God, I hear what you're saying. My heart's beating, Mm-mm, not doing it. I know you want me to go up front and pray. It's not going to happen. No, you want me to go talk to that person. It's not going to do it. But, but the longer you live in disobedience to the Spirit, the less likely it is you're going to live in freedom with the Spirit. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. The other ways you can stifle the Holy Spirit is, is that you can neglect your gift and your calling. He, he equipped you to do something in the kingdom, and, and, and the, the less you do it, and, and the more you kind of say, I'm not interested, not doing it, the less likely he's going to be there moving in, in your life and in your spirit. You, you stifle the Holy Spirit when you think you can do it on your own without God. That's pride, thinking that we don't even need the Holy Spirit, and that's not true either, and so I I, I want to challenge us tonight to really believe scripture at its word, to really believe that the spirit is in you, believers. It's it, in you to experience freedom and victory and grace and hope and peace. And if you're unsatisfied with where you are spiritually with God, then I challenge you to get on your knees and ask him to change it. That you would be the persistent neighbor who says, God, I'm not happy with where I am, and I want it to change. I want your spirit, I want freedom, I want victory. That's what I want for my own life. It's what I want for us. And so we're going to give you an opportunity now just to kind of respond however you need to respond. The band is going to come. We're going to sing, and you can pray. You can go pray with someone. I would encourage you to come up to the front. If you're thinking, no way, absolutely not, that's probably a good cue. But before we do that, I'm actually going to invite Melissa up to the stage. Uh, She was feeling earlier on during worship that she kind of had a word for our church tonight, and uh, whenever that happens, usually I end up praying while they're talking, like, is this good, God? Is this, yeah, she's got a word for us, and uh, she's going to share that, and then I'm going to leave it in the band's hands, and I'm going to leave you to the Spirit to see what he's got for us, to see if you'll ask, to see if you'll seek, and we'll see, see where it goes.
1: definitely wasn't planning to come up here till I was in worship and you know my heart started beating fast and God was like go talk to Mark and I was like "Eh, I don't know but I've learned a while ago just to just to say okay God I will do that um and I do feel like he has a word that's for at least one other person out there tonight um I've gone to a number of conferences that were about pressing into the Holy Spirit and I would say that as I go usually it takes me out of my familiar but I am always blessed by it. Every time God has been faithful and it has been a blessing. And at one of those times, um, one of the speakers um, was just sharing some anointing that she had, she prayed over people. And the way I would describe it is, is she was praying for us to have a glimpse of heaven. So, you know, I, I don't know totally what that meant, but I went back to my seat and I said, God, like I want what you have for me. So as I sat down, he gave me a vision. Just this beautiful vision of um, Jesus, really, um, in heaven. And not that I could see him clearly, but that he exuded warmthness, and I could feel him in my heart, just the beauty of his love. In my vision, he was kind of like glowing like at the end and I could see this beautiful field of green just gorgeous with kids running through it you know the way that kids are beautiful and free and run and laughing and you know I knew most of them some of my kids were there and I know how much I love them and in this vision it was just so clear to me that God was just saying you know how much you love them and I love them so much more and I get to see a picture of um my one niece, who's not here anymore, because she she passed away, um, she was still born, but um, so I thought God was just giving me this blessing of getting to see her in this vision, but the last little child that I saw running in the field receiving the love of Christ was myself, and um, God was just saying to me so clearly, I delight in you, like, however much you love your kids, I love them more. And I love you the exact same way. And so for a person who has loved God for a long time, but also strived for a long time, often trying harder, trying harder, um, God was just so pouring out his love on me in a way that just said, it's all me, it's not you, but I delight in you. So I just felt like maybe there's someone here tonight that God would just really love for you to understand. He would love you to see yourself the way he sees you and just to really know He delights in you.
0: Thank you, Melissa. Well, we're going to let the Spirit move, and you can respond accordingly.